The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. The Irish Times is reporting today that the uh, funeral of Vicky Phelan took place in private during the week. They say that the her death notice, which was published online, stated that she died peacefully at Milford Care Centre in the presence of her loving family after a long illness born with great dignity. And um, we thought it apt maybe to go back to an interview that we had done with Vicky uh, a while ago on this show where... She was asked, did she have a different insight into life in general, into family in particular, by virtue of what she had been through and what she was going through? And this is what she told us. Absolutely. Um, I think you, ha- you you can't help but have a different view of, of life and how precious it is when you're in a situation like mine. Um, because, you know, unless you're facing your mortality, you know, you, everybody thinks that, you know, they have all of this time to do everything they want to do and they keep pushing for more, you know, uh, or or they keep thinking, well, I'll be happy when, you know, when I get this promotion or when we have a bigger house or when I lose two stone weight or, and I was as guilty as everybody else of of, of that, you know. Um, but really when the illness hit me, and particularly when it came back and it was terminal, there's nothing like something like that to kind of really give you a slap on the face and say, well, you know, uh, you know, you need to appreciate the present moment, you know, and, and a lot of us don't. We're always living in the future or we're living in the past. We want to go back to the past where, you know, things were easier or whatever, or, or we're looking to the future because we think we're never going to be happy now. Whereas now is the time we have. And that's really, honestly, what I've learned from my situation is you have to enjoy and live in the now uh, because nobody knows what's around the corner. Vicky Fielden speaking to us there uh, previously on the show and Vicky of course um, will be remembered and missed by her family husband Jim daughter Amelia son Dara and her parents John and Gabby Kelly 53106 at a cost of 30 cent if you want to get in touch with the show we're speaking now with Minister Simon Harris Minister for Further and Higher Education who joins us from the Fine Gael or Desh in Athlone and um, Minister on the on the topic there of the passing of Vicky Phelan, she said in, in her autobiography Overcoming she gave you a lot of credit for the um, work that you did in pushing for an inquiry into the cervical cancer um, issue. And you yourself said that you had um, stayed in touch. I assume there for a sad week from your perspective. Yeah, good morning, Anton. Absolutely. I mean, Vicky Phelan was the most incredible patient advocate that I've ever come across. She has genuinely changed our screening program, our health service for the better. She's put a focus on women's health care like never before. But also this week was the week we lost Vicky Phelan, the person, um, and the person that many of us got to know so well. And um, I know Vicky was never much of one for, for tributes, um, but but you just can't let the moments go without just acknowledging how extraordinarily generous and kind she was uh, as a person. And I know Ireland is mourning the loss of an advocate, um, but also I know a family, Jim and Dara and Amelia, are, are mourning the loss of a, of a wife and a mom, and so many people are mourning the loss of a, of a family member, a daughter, um, a sister a neighbour and a friend and I'm thinking of her or her family uh, but also incredible people like Lorraine Walsh and Stephen Teep who did so much uh, good work with her so it's, it's an extremely sad week for Ireland. Indeed um, and as I say if you want to get in touch with the show if anybody has anything they wish to express 53106 at a cost of 30 cents. Now Minister the, the I mentioned earlier on I just wanted to, to ask you about this the, the, the Russian banned list of people oh, yes. who are and aren't allowed to uh, go to Russia has been published and you are notable by your exemption from it. You are still welcome to uh, visit the Russian Federation at any point at, at which you choose. A great relief to you? 
Uh, well, funnily enough, I'm not planning on visiting Russia anytime soon, but I do think, and uh, and, and I get the slight flippancy in the point you're making, but I, I, I do get a bit irked by, by all this focus on the list because I think this is exactly what Putin would like us to be doing today. Um, yesterday, I was with thousands of third-level students from across Ireland as President Zelensky uh, addressed third-level students in Ireland about the brutal, illegal, unjustified, disgusting war on his country, the attack on European values, the horrific crimes that are taking place on a daily basis. And I genuinely think this this list has been used as a, as a propaganda tool, as a misdirection tool by Russia. Uh, Putin would much rather have different countries talking about who's on a list, who's not on a list, what's it based on, was it because they, they tweeted something or they visited Ukraine, rather than talking about the fact that actually he has illegally invaded a European country. So it's a... It's a classic, uh, despicable uh, tool of misdirection, uh, a war tool being used uh, being used by people. And does it go to, I mean, I, I, you're right about the flippancy in the manner in which I asked the question, but underlying yes. it, there is something that is slightly more significant, which is the, th- there has always been the thing of, should you uh, um, dismiss the ambassador or should you eject the ambassador? And the answer has been no, that it is important to keep diplomatic channels open between countries, even if there is vociferous disagreement between them over something uh, as egregious as what Russia has done. Does this point to a significant diminution in diplomatic relations between Ireland and Russia, should we be concerned? Well, I think there's a significant diminution of diplomatic relations between Russia and the rest of the world because they're illegally invading a country uh, in Europe uh, and carrying out an illegal war and murdering and maiming uh, innocent Ukrainian citizens and now targeting civilian infrastructure. So there's no doubt, um, I think it's a statement to the blinding obvious, that relations with Russia are at an all-time low. However, that is separate and distinct, I think, to the point made by my colleague, uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, about the importance of keeping some channels open. Because always issues can arise where an Irish citizen can be in difficulty in another country and the likes, and it is always important to have um, to have some channel of engagement. So that 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 is that is the position. It's also important to have that presence in your country so somebody can actually be, be summoned to the Department of Foreign Affairs as the Russian ambassador was the other day uh, and the, the most serious views of the Irish government on behalf of the people conveyed to them. So it's, you know, keeping the ambassador in Ireland is not just any sort of suggestion that there's strong positive diplomatic relations. Um, Ireland absolutely uh, abhors um, the, this horrific illegal invasion. And as our Taoiseach has said, this is a militarily neutral country, but this country is not neutral uh, when it comes to the difference between right and wrong um, or illegal wars in Europe. And I thought it was really fascinating when President Zelensky addressed third level students yesterday in Ireland, the, um, the, you know, the next generation of leaders. I think there's a real strong sense from people across the country, including students in my sector, that this is about more than just Ukraine. Of course, it's a war in Ukraine, but it's actually about it's actually about a battle and a war between two different ways of living, democracy versus dictatorship. Uh, freedom versus tyranny and and it really is an attack on European values and, and therefore we must continue to all stand strong. Let, let's move to matters closer to home, particularly closer to home to where you are, which is the Fine Gael Ardesh currently running in Athlone. You are coming up on the point at which we are going to see the transition of Tánisht and Tishik into their respective roles and with that undoubtedly some moving of the chairs around the cabinet table. Over the years some people have made clear their desire for certain cabinet posts and Richard Bruton, as case in point, was, was always relatively open about his his desire for education is the one that you'd like 
<laughs> so I'm not one of those people because um, I suppose I've always adopted an approach uh, to politics that you've kind of got to try and control what is within your control. Um, and what, what is within my control is to work as hard as I possibly can and, and try and get things done in government. What's not within my control uh, is what position in cabinet uh, I may end up with. Um, and that is a matter for, in my in my case, my party leader, the, the Tanishtali of Radgar, who will be Taoiseach uh, next month. So no, look, I, I've, I've been honoured to hold a couple of different roles in government, uh, Minister for Health, for four and a half years, including during the start of the pandemic, um, and now establishing a, a relatively new department from scratch, uh, a department of further and higher education, which I've enjoyed very much. So no, I'm in, I'm happy to serve in, in, in well, any role. Within your own brief, I want to go, I'll go back in a minute to the, the changeover with Tisha Cantonish, but within your own brief, one of the big concerns I would have thought in higher education at the, prob- at the moment is the significant slide we've seen in university rankings for our third level and tertiary um, educational facilities. Does that give you concern? You know, I think there's sometimes too much focus actually on university tables and league tables and it's not to dismiss them um, out of hand. I mean, we did see Trinity College Dublin return to the first, to the top 100 universities um, in the world uh, this year. Um, and, and that is welcomed and it's welcomed in terms of the message that it sends out to people who might want to invest in Ireland. To but know, surely we, 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 um, we but who actually, have traded so long on the quality of our educations, we should be better than top 100, shouldn't we? Well, you see, this is the point I wanted to make. I, I, I don't lie awake at night wondering how many universities in Ireland we can get into the top 100 because I don't think it's actually a proper measure of an education system because I want an education system that is truly inclusive. I want an education system that is not just obsessed with university pathways, but also sees value in apprenticeships and further education and training. And I also want universities that welcome in students from all backgrounds, from diverse backgrounds, students who maybe have never had a family connection with third level before, students with intellectual disabilities. So I don't think these rankings tell the full story. Anna, no, but, but they're the not mutually exclusive, Minister. It is possible to achieve all that you are describing while at the same time being able to say, and we contend with Princeton or MIT or Harvard or the Sorbonne or Oxford. No, that, 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 that is correct. And they're not mutually exclusive. But I think it is important to look at both both in parallel, if you like. Um, I am very confident, though, as we continue to invest more in the universities, that the rankings will improve just like night follows day. Because if you actually look at what happens in relation to rankings, uh, what they generally focus on, it looks on things like staff to student ratios. It looks like things on number of citations in terms of research work. And on both fronts, we're going to see improvements. So the budget will see the first improvement uh, in student-staff ratios in many years in Irish third-level colleges. We've now worked out a funding plan, the Taoiseach has been very clear on this, a, a funding plan to sustainably fund universities. We're investing a lot more in research. We've developed new technological universities. So I am satisfied that there will be further improvements in rankings in the years ahead. But I'm also saying that it's not actually the most important metric. The most important metric, I think, is that we have seen good progress in everybody being able to access third level education, but the progress hasn't been equal. You're still more or less likely to go to third level, depending on perhaps where you live in the country in some cases, uh, depending on your family background, depending on whether you have a disability or not. And they're the sort of things that uh, make me tick, quite frankly. To go back to where you're, you're, you currently are with the Ordesh and the analysis of, of uh, the future of the party and what challenges you have and electoral possibilities and all the rest of it. One of the uh, political analysts this weekend is describing Fine Gael as stale and suggesting that there isn't that next generation coming up and that there isn't the level of ambition that there once was within the party. What's your reaction? Well, I hope they come to Athlone today. Um, I hope they come to Athlone today where they will see that uh, next generation of talent, that pipeline 
uh, of candidates, young and old, from a whole variety of different backgrounds, male and female, rural and urban, uh, on display. We'll have about 2,000 people here with us in the Technological University of the Shannon. And, you know, our opponents, I'm not suggesting that analyst is, but our opponents often try to point to our longevity in government as a disadvantage. I would very strongly contend and will debate with anybody that actually the experience that the Fine Gael team has built up on dealing with crises as they come at you. Um, in government is an advantage to the Irish people. You know, uh, as Leo himself said last night, nobody could have predicted when programmes for government would be put uh, together in the past, Brexit or COVID or a war in Ukraine. All of these issues have come at Fine Gael during our time in government. And I like to think what we certainly have not gotten everything right, we have responded and tried to respond with leadership, uh, provide the country with stable government and work with the people of the country to get us through. Whether and do you see any concern that people are seeing the same faces? I mean, there is a generation effectively of Fine Gael politicians that included yourself, uh, Leo Varadkar, Simon Coveney, Lucinda Creighton, Alvin Enright, as was the case back then. There, there was that young Turk generation in the whatever, now nearly 10 years ago. There doesn't seem to be another, or is there? There, there very much is, and I, I'm, I'm <laughs> the only reason I'm reluctant is I know if I start naming some young colleagues, I'll leave out others. Uh, but if you look at if you look at people in non-ministerial ranks today within Senegal, uh, we have an absolute depth of talent. Uh, I think of some of my colleagues like Jennifer Carroll McNeil. I think of people uh, like Emer Higgins. I, I think of many of our senators. I think of John McGahan. I think of Emer Curry. I think of Mary Siri Carney. I, I'm already going to get in trouble for leaving people out here, but I could go on and on and on with the people chomping at the bit to want to make a difference in their community, uh, to want to serve their community, either at council level, in the Shannon, in the Dáil. I look at our European Parliament team, real strength in terms of the likes of Francis Fitzgerald, who served our country as a Taunist and now representing us uh, in Brussels, Maria Walsh. Okay, well, uh, Minister, I, I will put, before we on, get the entire list of everybody, um, one <laughs> final thing on that, where you talk about the longevity and the dealing with issues, one of the difficulties you undoubtedly face is the longevity of some of those issues, particularly the housing crisis, which is now becoming a hardy perennial and we are several years into it. A, how big a drag do you think that's going to be on future electoral prospects? And B, how long before we see something resembling a solution? Well, to your first question, I think the people are going to want to see tangible signs of progress between now and the next election. Of that, there is no doubt. I would argue, though, and quite quite strongly, that when it comes to 11 years, the housing challenge hasn't been a static one. So sometimes people keep on saying, why are we talking about housing? When Fine Gael first came to government, the big issue around housing was ghost estates, was mortgage arrears, was quite frankly not having anybody to build. Ah, uh, Yeah, but we've had a housing stop. crisis now for six or seven no, years. No, no, absolutely. And I, and I want to talk about that very directly. But I'm just saying under the, over the 11 years, the housing crisis has evolved and changed and it's come in different aspects. In relation to the current situation, like, I'm not sure how many of your listeners know that we've seen 16,000 people buy their first home uh, this year massively up. Planning permissions are up. Home completions are up. Mortgage drawdowns are up. Supply is up. We'll exceed the housing building targets in this country. Yeah, but uh, a, a trend year. is not a solution. How long till a solution? Well, I think these are real solutions for people on the ground. These are solutions for individual people getting keys to homes today. But it's also not enough. And let me be very clear about that. And the Taunashta in his speech tonight, and indeed the Taoiseach, the Taunashta, Naaman Ryan, will continue to do everything we possibly can to put new solutions forward, to drive forward with housing for all. And I do expect by the time of the next election that people will be seeing in a very real way uh, progress made on the issue of housing. Minister, thank you very much for your time this morning. That is Minister Simon Harris, who is, of course, Minister for Further and Higher Education, TD for Wicklow, and one of the many Fine Gael TDs in attendance at the Ordesh in Athlone. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.